Hey everybody, welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky joined tonight by the host of the Light Year Light Years podcast on the Blue Wire Network, Sam Esfendiari. Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, good to see you. Nice to meet you. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm, I'm excited to do this. Uh, just I wanted to note one thing. So I didn't know you. Were you guys doing this before Shelter in Place began? Or is this something no, you guys kind of watched? Specifically one? because of Shelter in Place. Th that's kind of what I thought. Because I, I always think back to like the early, um, you know, late March when everyone was kind of not really sure what this would look like. And, and, you know, I was just scanning social media way too much. And you guys are doing this every night. And I started getting a lot of comfort enjoying just these nightly shows, like to get, give you some semblance of normalcy when it was like, it felt like the world was falling apart there. For well, a while. I mean, Sam, as we like to say very often, we are the real heroes, Brian and I, in terms <laughs> yeah. of this, these difficult times that I, I'm not even going to say like, you know, our audience has been going through and we've been helping them cope with, I would go so far as to say America, or really when you take into account that we are part of an internet culture and the internet spans the entire globe, dare I say, we've comforted the entire world yeah. during this period. Like when, when they eventually do the history books and like Alex Gibney does a second documentary about the pandemic, I imagine we're going to be featured a lot. I mean, that's the way I understood it. Uh, you know, I heard like when the NBA was deciding whether they wanted the bubble or not, they were like, Andy and Brian are doing a show. Why can't we get games going? So <laughs> yes, I, yes, I would agree with you guys. I, I'd oh. like to I'd like to think, except for the fact that I know we inspired them. Like we made them realize a lot was possible. Brian and I managed yeah. to do this show every night without, to the best of my knowledge, contracting the coronavirus. And I think they realized if these two guys can do this show while staying healthy, there's no reason we can't do a bubble. So I mean, like yeah, Sam, if, if two guys can do a show while everyone's sheltered, yeah. <laughs> why their can't home. we get five thousand people organized? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's really the difference, <laughs> other than maybe it's a little bit different scale? At the end of the day, it's both just showbiz. I mean, it's it's not really much yeah, different. Um, by uh, the way, you're being welcomed uh, right now, just right off the bat, uh, from Bertie Burdington. Oh. So this is what the biggest LeBron hater on the internet looks like. <laughs> I don't even so welcome think, Sam. I don't even. I don't even think I cracked the top 100, but you know, to each their own. I mean, it's, 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 it could be put in the same class as a Skip Bayless or you know, Jason like Whitlock. That. Yeah, I mean, that is really impressive company. I mean, I worked really hard at it over the last couple of years. <laughs> you honed your craft. That was, the first, that was the first thing. So yeah, up. we do, we do appreciate it, and you are welcome, uh, America. You are welcome. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, we we started this because we were worried sort of about being sheltered and placed out of our jobs. <laughs> you know, what I mean, right. it's like you have to start figuring out like what can you do? And it's it's everybody in this in this moment that we're in, because even if you have a job, you keep your job, like you got to figure out like it's not the same. Nothing is exactly the same, particularly if you work in media. And it's just a matter of figuring out like what else can you do? Um, and it turns out what you can do is talk to people who have no one to talk to because they're trapped in their houses and can't leave and are really bored. Uh, and they're like yeah, you know, we Andy and I were convinced it was gonna be like, do you think we'll be able to get people to come on and like stay for an hour? We're like, yeah, sure. This kind of late. 
yeah, it's late. People got stuff to do. No, no, actually, it turns out they don't. And it was it was handy. And I actually think the late thing benefits you. I was I was kind of opining this on on Twitter earlier today, where it's like, why are they putting playoff games at two, three in the afternoon? Like I, today specifically with the MLB. But I'm just sitting here. There, there's this assumption because people aren't going into their office, they can just sit around watching sports all day and. I, I, that just doesn't hasn't jived with my my real life since uh, since you know it was kind of forced into the house on a regular basis here. Oh, it's it's just an inconvenience. Like even when I try to put it on, a million distractions and like I don't have kids. I can't imagine the reality of uh, someone who has children of any age and like more commitments in their life than I do. Like trying to be like. Not, not now, honey. Uh, I need to watch this 2 p.m. Orlando Magic Indiana. <laughs> I, the first couple days, the bubble, you know, the bubble games were on, and everybody was like, "Oh my god, this is." A, or like, you go back and like, you know, ESPN's putting on Korean baseball. We got to watch right. it. But yeah, I mean, it, that's exactly like you know the, the, the game this afternoon, whatever it is. Like, I, I caught the beginning of the Dodger game. I don't, I don't have time to do that. I have three kids. And so, you know, two of them are in school. You got a shepherd in Vivat. I got to get my work done. And, I, you know, there's been this huge, you know, I guess, talking point about NBA ratings. And they were way down right. for the polls and all these other things. And there's a section of the world that wants to just pin it all on the NBA being too woke. Uh, and, I mean, is some of that? I mean, is it is some of the politics driving? Yeah, I'm sure there's some people who are kind of turned off by it. But everything is down. Like the Kentucky Derby, like 11 people watch the Kentucky Derby. You know why? It's not because the horses like were kneeling during the anthem. I mean, because the, the Derby. That would be an adorable trick, by the way. <laughs> if you be. could actually get the horses to kneel during the anthem, I don't care what your politics are. That's just cute. <laughs> like, that's really, really right. cute. It's impressive. Like, but, like, it's because the Derby was held like, four months after it was supposed to, and nobody knew it was happening. NHL ratings were down something like 65 or 70% for the for the Stanley Cup finals. And there's two reasons for that. One, it was Tampa Bay versus Dallas, it, from what I read. And My they were playing teams. Edmonton. So it's like there's no I – mean, you felt it here. Like, or Andy, I mean, there's the, the buzz around the finals was even different because the games weren't being played in L.A. The Dodgers stuff is different. It feels different because the games are being played in Texas. There's not that energy that comes with having your teams in the playoffs. All that stuff is way, way more, I think, you know, has much more of an influence on why people weren't watching the NBA Finals. It's because it's fucking October. That's why they're not watching the NBA Finals. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, I, that's an interesting point because obviously you guys are in the epicenter of Laker fandom and um, – I can only imagine. I mean, I know what LA is like when the Lakers are good, like just based off of my lifetime experiences during God knows how many of their previous title runs. But uh, it's just, I, it's, I, I can't imagine it because, like, in the Bay Area, obviously the Warriors had pretty much the complete opposite of the season the Lakers had. And so when all this goes on, like, yeah, people who are sports fans have a casual interest, but unless you're like an NBA diehard or have some sort of affinity to the teams, there isn't necessarily that draw that there would be for your random NBA finals in totally in June or, you know, late May that um, didn't involve your team just because you're used to that cadence. 
I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, maybe you guys disagree. Like, I mean, you know, Sam, you're probably in this position. If the Lakers hadn't made the finals, if it was, you know, it was Denver. Miami versus right. Denver or something like that. If it was the Clippers, it would have been a little more engaged. Miami versus Denver, Miami versus Utah, whatever it is. I, I mean, I love the NBA. I cover the NBA for a living. People pay me to do this, and I would have been way less engaged. Like, there's a good chance I would have missed the game, tried to make it up if I have to watch it, you know, because the priority is different. You know, I got to go, oh, you know what? I can, I can go ahead and I'll drive the kids to soccer or whatever it might be. It's because it's not this, it's not the same deal. It just doesn't. I mean, so, I mean, sports, it's amazing how quickly a person's habits can change. I think that's the, the lessons of the pandemic, your work habits, your life habits, your TV habits, all of it can change a lot faster than you thought. And the st stuff that you thought was 1000% necessary isn't necessary. Um, so and, and just to get it back on the rails. And I was just going to say the the thing that probably sucks most for the Lakers, um, you know, in this whole thing is like, obviously LeBron is what year two in the Lakers. He's not, you know, He's not. Uh, he's not Kobe. He's not someone who's been there for a decade plus. He doesn't have that attachment to the fan. <laughs> he's base. no KCP, right? Exactly. Um, those playoff runs are really what gets a fan base attached to a player. They, you know, like in the Bay Area here. If I was to poll Warrior fans, would you trade Clay Thompson for Giannis? Which everyone else in the country would say yes. You do that because Giannis is a better player they would probably overwhelmingly say, don't want to do it. Clay's our guy. Why? Because like, you know, I mean, I don't need to go through the litany of big moments he's had for the Warriors, but like that a lot of families attached to loyalty that's developed through those battles you've watched over the years. So that's like one thing LA did not get this year, which um, would have probably taken it to the next level because it's one, like, I don't think, anyone needed to know how amazing a player LeBron was, but like watching someone like that do it in your favorite team's jersey, you, you get a, a different level of affinity for it. Yeah, it's interesting um, in in terms of the ratings being down, and, and they're down across all sorts of sports, like we, yeah, I mean, we, we mentioned down, earlier. NBA's ratings are legitimately down, but they're not the only sport where ratings are down. Right, exactly. They're I mean, they, they're down in sports that I guess are broadly being considered, you know, caught up in social issues they're down in sports right. that aren't in that their ratings are down in everything period and like ratings have been dropping in terms of the old mechanisms to you know measure fan interest and viewer interest just because the world has changed in the way we consume this stuff but uh, i was i was having a twitter discussion today with uh jeff katz who some people okay. watching this may may know um he Used to work with us on 710, you know, doing some uh, hosting, stuff like that. He used to work in the movie industry. And we were debating about how much fans not being in the audience actually matters in terms of knocking down ratings. And, you know, how much not having fan there, fans there hurt the viewer experience. And speaking for myself personally, I don't think it's particularly hard to get used to. And I personally feel like if it's something you are really getting caught up in as an otherwise very engaged fan, I feel like you're looking to be distracted. That is my opinion personally. I'm not saying I don't see it at all or I don't see or I don't think that it affects the, the viewing experience sure. whatsoever. I'm just saying I feel like if you go into this saying I'm not going to dwell on it, 
by and large, I don't think you're really going to get caught into it. Again, that's me. But one of the things, though, that I, it sort of dawned on me in having this back and forth with Jeff, who totally disagrees with me, is there had been this school of thought that sports would not just be extremely popular upon coming back, but also, too, that they would serve as this you know, event of normalcy. And right. you know they'd be like comfort food for people, and they and they would take your mind off this pandemic and everything going on. And it sort of dawned on me that in some ways, seeing sports without the fans is a continual reminder of everything that's happening. And in a lot of ways, it reinforces that everything isn't normal. So if you are actually looking for sports as this kind of respite from the pandemic, you're not going to get it. Because the presentation is an actual reminder of the pandemic. No, that's a great point. Actually, I was, um, I think it was yesterday's uh, Dodgers Braves game, and they have a, a small segment of fans uh, in, is it Dallas that they're playing right now? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Really, yeah, it's, it's certainly not San Diego. But, um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of weird to see like 10,000 fans in a, 50,000 stadium but like when uh, I think it was Freddie Freeman hit the home run and you see like this section of fans going wild I was like ah I haven't seen that in months upon months and it, it felt normal in a way that like and I enjoyed the bubble because I'm just gonna enjoy basketball on any stage in general but, but like it, it is true and I, I think if you want to take something from the ratings, another thing is it's kind of a reminder of how many people are like diehard fans versus people who like to be there for the show. Because when you're talking about a bubble, I mean, it's really for the people who live and breathe with every basket, not the people who are there for the party, because it's not a party in that sense. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it, it did take some of that kind of sense of celebration and eventness out of it. Like you can't get in, like you can't do like, There is no access to what these guys are doing. It felt very isolated. Look, I mean, the NBA I thought did a great job putting the product on the floor. And obviously, you know, they all deserve credit for zero positive tests. And this thing went in that regard way better. I think than anybody thought to the point that I think we kind of forgot how hard it would be to live in that thing for, for five months or whatever, however long they were there. But it, it isn't the same. And I, I just, it's, I don't know what any of this like means because it's not going to get normal again next year. Like we were talking about this last night, like the irony of like the dot, let's say the Dodgers come back against the Braves, which they right. certainly could. We scored some runs tonight. Like, you know, that was a start. Um, They're ahead you know, of the Stuff doesn't mean anything right now. They can, they've been very good and so on and so on. You could have the, Lakers, Dodgers, and the Rams all win this year. This could turn out to be the greatest year in Los Angeles sports history <laughs> without being able to have, like, one parade. Yes. I mean, it's the best since 88. 88, the Dodgers um, Dodgers, and the Lakers won that year. I can't remember if anybody else won, but it, it was a big year, that, that alone. So you're right. It could be, if nothing else, the biggest since 88. I haven't even thought about that. Actually, I haven't been following as closely as I assume you guys are. I, there's going to be no parade for the Lakers, right? Are they doing yeah. anything of substance? Like, I mean, I saw the video. They should implement of, our idea. We've got an idea. We've been, we've been pushing this. Okay. 
I call it the theme park style parade, where okay. basically what you do is you set up these different stations in, in a very large area, like an area that people can drive through. And you set up different players in the different stations and you have fans drive past them and they can just watch different players celebrating. It's like you're reverse engineering the parade where typically the fans are stationary and the players on the big buses go by them. You put make the players stationary and I then you just that, you go past them celebrating. Like again, it's like a theme park ride. So we'll drive by. It's like everyone can drive by LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Rob Polenka, and exactly. I don't know Alex Caruso. Yes, they, they, just, they just wave to you. Like, yeah, you, you you drive by Jr. shirtless. You know, you you do all that. It's great. I'm actually, it's fun. I'm not sure this is fun for the guys in the in the like the actual players on the team, but I think sure. it's, well, it's, it's probably horrible for them. boring. <laughs> I mean, and it would bring normalcy to LA because you'd get back your regular traffic if something like that happened too. So yes, <laughs> yes, it feels yeah, a nice like four hour backup on uh, what? How, Domin, get out of here! <laughs> <laughs> what if you could solve? What if you could end the coronavirus? Domin says, uh, "Sam finally admitting on the chat." He says, "Sam finally admitting he's a Laker fan now is how we fix the rating." What if you could end the coronavirus? <laughs> You just make it go away. That's all you needed to do. Yes, that's that's definitely the move. We we need to figure that one out right here. Yeah, but if just if, you know, if, if pledging allegiance to the Lakers would do it, like, ooh, I, I, I don't know. know. My, my connection's not working. Uh, we should move on to another topic. <laughs> I'm running out of connection here. You know what, there are people, and this is I'm not. I am 100 serious. There are people with presented with the idea of. Of you could you could eliminate the coronavirus, but all you have to do is become a legitimate diehard fan and pledge your allegiance to the enemy team, to the rival. Yeah, they wouldn't do it. <laughs> they wouldn't do it because fans are that ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, some would some would say that that's what Trump's doing right now with not implementing a bunch of stuff. Anyway, that's a different topic, not for this show. So, um, when, I don't want to know what yeah. team he roots for. God, <laughs> whatever, whatever team it is, ain't rooting for that one. We were talking about this a little bit before the, um, you know, obviously the Lakers, and we can get back into like kind of what this season was for them, and you know, kind of your your perspective watching them. But we, one of the things that is, I think, on everybody's mind everywhere, certainly in LA, but even across the NBA, is like how how large is this Lakers window now? Because I think people thought. Yeah, they probably maybe they don't win in the first year, but they've got a couple years. Maybe they get one or whatever. But not only do they win, the Lakers dominated the Western Conference in the process and went twelve and three in the Western Conference part of the playoffs. So they did better, I think, than people expected and opened up a little bit more of a gap. And when you talk about the teams that could catch them next year, it's Denver, it's the Clippers, and you start thinking, and it's like, oh yeah, the Warriors. Forgot about that. Like how how much should people expect from what's coming back next year with Golden State? I mean, I've had 12 months to walk through every machination of every potential trade they could make and whatever going into next year. So believe me, I've gone through the highs and lows of what they could look like next year. Um, Vegas seems to think positively of them. I think last I saw, they were third or fourth in the title odds. Lakers obviously being first as the defending champions, Clippers being second. Um, I think... The thing with the Warriors right now is, like, okay, they obviously have Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. 
if you believe uh, in motivation in any capacity, they're certainly motivated to prove this was a, uh, you know, injury plagued gap year. And then you throw in the Kevin Durant saga. They all want to prove they can win in a capacity kind of consummate with the name they've created for themselves and not, you know, they needed Kevin Durant or whatever it may be. Um, with that said, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys, I, I assume you guys are aware Andrew Wiggins is on the roster. Can you name another player on the roster? Yes, but only because I recently <laughs> went through the roster. Because it, it, in taking a look at what you had there, because I wanted to ask later on about the number two pick, and you know what, whether you whether your sense is that they would use it versus trying to package it. Um, there are only four players on the Warriors who were part of that 2018 championship team: Steph, Clay, Dre, and Kavon Looney. That's it. And that's pretty massive turnover two seasons removed from a championship team. Like even recognizing the team tended to be extremely top heavy right. in its talent and the role players would sometimes be interchangeable. That's still a lot of turnover in just two years. So that's kind of where I'm at with them. Do I think there's a path to them competing and winning a title? Absolutely. I think they've proven you can win a championship or at least compete for one with the the core of Steph, Clay, and Draymond. But, you know, th there's a world where they have a terrible offseason and it's those players and Marquise Chris and a bunch of guys who are, I guess, not, you know, ready for deep playoff basketball and – and then they're just kind of toiling somewhere in the middle of the West. There's also a scenario where maybe they trade the second pick for a veteran who's a little more useful from now. Maybe a veteran takes a discount with the mid-level exception. I'm sure there will be a, a bunch of players who do that because the NBA's finances um, with uh, in a post-COVID world kind of indicate that you know teams aren't going to be spending crazy. So you could see some veterans who maybe – would have been looking for bigger contracts, taking something smaller. So, I, I mean, I'm just excited. We're, what, a month away from the draft and six weeks from free agency. At least at that point, I'll know what kind of roster we're working with, with the Warriors, because for the last six-plus months, it's been a lot of, let's discuss for an hour how this player might fit into the roster. I don't know if they can acquire him, but let's just talk about it. <laughs> You guys actually have spent some time doing that. Like, you you went. What else? What, what else are What else are you really going to talk about in a Warriors related podcast? Who are the Who are the, the like realistically? Who are the 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 people that you would that like are you can get for the number two and whatever? Lamelo season is it? Lamelo season. <laughs> um, does Steve Kerr strike you as a a guy who who wants to coach Lamelo Ball? Just going to throw it out there. Um, no. I would be, I think he's, no. um, I think he would be the most surprising acquisition. Like I, I would be shocked if he was on the team, but um, the, the most common ones have been like uh, the Indiana Pacers are looking to shop Oladipo and Miles Turner could maybe work out a trade with their pick for that. Like nothing, you know, nothing as cool as, uh, you know, acquiring like Giannis or something like that. But like, that's the type of trade talks that, do, are, you're, do, you're hearing buzz about that are realistic. I guess do you, you picture do you picture that 
including like Wiggins being packaged just because the, the number two pick in, in terms of matching salaries and stuff right, like that, right. it know, doesn't the, work salary wise. Right. Yeah, no. So like, are, are you picturing them attaching Wiggins? Yeah. In which case then you're talking about, you know, cause Wiggins makes a lot more than both those players. You have to take more back. So this is where it's kind of, you can talk through a million machinations of trades, but like they, they still have the traded player exception, which is, 17 million in salary they could potentially absorb who knows if they want to run up a luxury tax like that um i mean it's it's in all different directions with them at this point there's also free agents who are veterans who they could potentially pursue i mean they could get someone like aaron baines or you know if you're lucky serge abaka or something like that like these are all useful players that's those are the type of players that i would think are the most likely scenario to end up on the warriors next year like i the uh, the the possibility that they swing some crazy trade to land like Joel Embiid or something like that it seems like a you know a one in a million like not happening type of scenario no matter how much they want to float out there that they're interested in those type of things. Doc might want to make some changes. You never know. <laughs> Oh, we both we both know exactly how that's going. It's gonna um, it's gonna mirror the Lob City Clippers, where everyone knows that the two stars don't work, but he won't trade one of them for just four or five years in a row. Wiggins for Embiid? Who says no? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not me, but. <laughs> and we have a oh, surprise no. guest—a guest we didn't even expect tonight. I just, I just, listen, I just wanted to check in on Sam and just, he seems, I I have to admit, he seems very comfortable now knowing that order has been restored. The Lakers are the champions. He's doing NBA lottery, you know, research and, and draft research and just praying that, you know, they can put together enough to get Miles Turner. You know, maybe they can have a cute little, you know, playoff run or something like that. And I just said, yeah, I got to admit, everything feels normal. (laughs) i've been listening i've been listening to sam and andy on uh light years podcast like i i listen all the time because i've just forgotten what it feels like to root for a team and you know you're just doing draft research and yeah i i i I lost all my logins to the draft sites and all that so i I just trust sam and andy to follow the draft now <laughs> when wins a wins a Mickey Mouse cup and feels like he's the world. <laughs> so, I, so I don't respond to your texts anymore. <laughs> am, I, am I just lay back and let you guys go back and forth? <laughs> pretty great. Damon Rangulin joining us. How are you, man? I'm good, man. It's it's been it's uh today's the first night where things are feeling a little quiet. Like I watched the Dodgers game and it was a miserable game until the end, and it's just like okay, well, now what do we do? It's been such a nonstop kind of run and it ended in like this euphoria and then it's all gone. And there was like this buildup of months and months and it's like, okay, well, now what? Like, what's next? Yeah. Yeah. It, it I, will. I, we got two snap football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the good thing about the pandemic is it, it screws with the NFL so much. Like they have to kind of like put football everywhere. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every night now. I mean, it does uh, feel like the Dodgers are doing their best to uh, prevent any type of super spreader celebrations. God, um, you know, they like they're almost being just uh, they're, they're just I trying guess, to give you guys into the feeling, city. They're just trying to give you guys a feeling of normalcy with a October class. <laughs> so. Oh God, I, it's funny. Like the sports calendar and just the calendar in general 
is completely screwed up right now. And you know, you're you're getting used to all these things happening at once, and your kids are doing school from home and all this different shit. But the one thing that we all know in October is that it's Fire Dave Roberts season. Like every year in October, it is Fire Dave Roberts season. And that's the one thing we can count on. Because I if you're on League Baseball for it being able for all of us to be able to keep us on track, at least with that. Yes. I mean, it, it deaf taxes and everybody yelling for Dave Roberts to be fired in October. It's, that's it's so true. Amazing. I was watching that game and I'm like, I've seen this game and I've seen it like every year for the last three years. I know this game very well. And yeah, so yeah, it is the most normal we've probably felt in a while. That's a good point. Yeah, there's something comforting about yeah. it. <laughs> what, 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 watching Dodger fans get really pissed off at Dave Roberts for pitching decisions. Like th th this in a weird way, as tortured as for Dodger fans, make them feel like everything's going to be all right. Like the world is going to go back to normalcy yeah. because this is the world they knew before the pandemic. I, I also I do want to make uh, point something out here. Like the respect I have for Dominic, who is uh, like, he's like Batman. Like you throw up the signal, like, Hey, and he, <laughs> look at this, he's got the setup ready. The mic. Oh yeah. Listen, we're not he's messing around. <laughs> so, I guess this is true. If you ever just need a guest on something. Yeah, just, send, just send a message. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, Sam won't let me on his podcast. So this is how I talk to him. Well, la last couple of times he made an appearance. It was, uh, you know, we had to edit some stuff out. It got very flagrant. And, you know, it, was, it was, it was even explicit for us. We can, we can. Edit that. I would be very insulted by any podcaster who had Aaron Larsoul on, but not you. So <laughs> that just shows a certain level. Aaron, of I think, I think Aaron, Aaron might have cooked something or somewhere. You know, he, he must have shown Sam a plate to bribe himself on. Dude, um, his his plates are. Oh my god. The the cooking Aaron Lasool has he just been played doing up the Bay Area card. It's been unbelievable. Like it's been like the stuff you look at. It's like restaurant quality. It is. Like, it's it's incredible. He's he's like I've talked to him a couple of times to him. Just like how do you even take a picture? And he just you know he's like you know those super talented people that they, they frustrate me even more when they're humble. Like I'd rather Aaron be super. Just like yeah, I I do this better than you could ever do it. I prefer yeah. that versus that, him just him just going fun. like, oh, yeah. you know, uh, I just put it uh, in front of the sunlight. I take a picture. It comes out really easily. Like the so way he you guys he's really believe he you guys really believe he cooks that. I, I mean, oh. I'm pretty sure those are from Yelp. <laughs> I've, I've seen those. I've I've been stalking restaurants. I've seen a few. Of those like, have you ever gone to uh, what's what's the name of the? I'm blanking now. The the name of uh, the the photography where everybody goes to get their stock photos like what what uh oh, oh right, right right like like getty images or something yeah like, like have you ever gone to getty right, images right. and seen the exact same things that larsoul is uh cooking that, he, no, that he's no, making no, no, we got notice, notice the cropping notice it's a little off center because it cropped <laughs> there's off always a logo. watermark for everything <laughs> that he makes <laughs> it's i never thought about it before but it's a little bit suspicious so i, I mean okay the, so some of the plate choices like no one has those kind of plates around their house come on man no. <laughs> it's unbelievable like he's really he's put that time to use it also reinforces that dude has no kids <laughs> you don't get to do that with kids no. so you you were saying though sam uh with the warriors like how what do you expect from them coming up like because i i was looking at you know it's already now since the the championship's 48 hours old we're already looking at the 2021 season 
and there's the past guys right and there's the you know there's the uh too early power rankings that espn and si have put out the warriors are getting five minutes of them winning a title yes power rankings well i'm sure that was pre-written the the warriors have been getting a fair amount of respect for a team that nobody has seen really do anything in a while and i get it but i also look at them going i don't quite know what they are it's interesting right because like you talk to anyone around the team or you just read reports or anything and it's just constant like steph curry and clay thompson look really good in their workouts and i don't really know what to make of that because there's no real precedent for pandemic shuts down and two perennial all-stars are doing individualized workouts for nine months in a row. Like, I don't even know what to, it you is know, how very, to. That is a very specific template. Like, yes, exactly. That doesn't exist is, is reasonable, I think. Yeah, it's like there's no template for it. So, like I, like I said, they, they will, if they're healthy, for me, my bigger concern with them would be about health at this point. At this point, we've seen um, Clay Terra's ACL and um, Steph, you know, for lack of a better word, he's, he's just, he seems to perennially pick up nagging injuries that rule him out for periods of time. Like, obviously, this year he broke his hand and then, uh, you know, they weren't necessarily in a rush to bring him back when they were 10 and 40. So, um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where that hand might have healed a little faster if they were a contending team. But with that said, um, those are my bigger concerns with the team. They're not old, but they are, I don't know, they're just an unknown with health at this point, I guess. I mean, they sort of feel old, though. Like, maybe it's because they've been around. Like, I, I think of them as an older team than they probably are, especially mm-hmm. adding, LaMelo Ball, adding LaMelo Ball. Yes. Uh, and um, oh, James James Wiseman. Let's, let's get it right. Another no, player no one has seen. I, play. I, I can't start. You, know, you can't ex- expect me to start naming other college basketball, <laughs> college basketball player, and he didn't even go to college. I know Lamelo Ball. That is the only player I can name who was in this year's draft. Um, you know, but uh, just to step in here, um, I, I, I still fear the Warriors. I mean, when have the? I understand that we haven't seen this version of the Warriors in some time now, but when has this version of the Warriors healthy? When's the last time they lost a series fair and square? It's been a while. And to me, the DNA of Obama's first the term. championship. Right. And and yeah. and 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 so the the sort of um the know-how, the championship DNA, the actual gameplay of Stephen Clay. Um, I would probably worry even more about injuries to the Stephen Clay injuries is Draymond's conditioning. He did not look like Draymond last year. And that's fine. We can chalk it up to kind of like the Rajon Rondo high IQ. Well, I'm not going to give a crap if you know it's not to win, right? It's like it, I could see Draymond. Draymond was way. smart enough to realize I don't need to be in shape this season. Right. Like, that's <laughs> exactly. where the high IQ came in. Right. Exactly. So that's probably the thing I would worry about most. But I I trust Steph Clay and Draymond over a lot of cores in the NBA. And um, when push oh, comes oh, you to shove, trust them more than James Harden. <laughs> yeah well that's that's like the that's test. the common bond that sam and i have uh you know we will we will trust james harden at any opportunity if we ever get into an argument we can just always bring it back down to you know james harden <laughs> when things get too yeah. hot <laughs> but but I, I, we, can, I, I will... we can agree on this guy yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, Steph, Clay, Draymond. Yeah, it's, um, it's, unless it's, they lose, I'm not going to believe they're going to lose. All over again. Yeah. <laughs> no. But it's a, it's a, it's that, it's that group. The, the, the things that the group has done together. It reminds me of the Spurs. We've had this conversation, Sam, where the Spurs. Yes, they had their ups and downs throughout the run with Tim Duncan, but you always knew they were going to be a threat, and they were always lingering in the title conversation. They might not win every year, but they have that core of players. They have that core of a coaching staff, a program, a system, uh, uh, something that they stand for. And Steph is very Duncan-like in that way, where I trust Steph to be the leader. I trust Steph to kind of modulate his game to fit in whatever teammates are surrounding him. And having those kinds of pillars, uh, the Warriors are always going to, you know, they're always going to be a threat to me in some way. So so then you take that to the next thing, which is like, I, I feel the same way. I feel like you can pencil them in to at least be in the conversation. And then it comes down to what they do around the rest of them. Because just, okay, Lakers won this year. So inevitably... You're you're thinking Say that again? if if you're going to uh, win <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna win the title you're gonna have to go through them right and so then comes the question who's you know how are you guarding LeBron and Anthony Davis and you know Draymond's part of that equation but there's kind of a gaping hole at the center position and that seems you know semi important if you're gonna deal with Anthony Davis I would assume. <laughs> And so, so this is where it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a question mark with them. You know, I, I have no doubt Steph and Clay and Draymond will come back with uh, some semblance of punch and some semblance of wanting to get revenge. But, you know, if it's a rookie guarding Anthony Davis, uh, that doesn't, I, that's, that just wouldn't be the ideal way to, to necessarily deal with that, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> Sam, did, did anybody on this roster this year, the sort of, randos that were, were, were the Santa Cruz Warriors. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, cause there were guys who periodically put up decent numbers, had some good games here. Are any of these people actually going to be useful going forward in terms of filling out the rest of a rotation? Sure. Like Eric Pascal was their best rookie last year. He was a second round pick. I mean, I would quintessential late first, early second round pick who looks good. Like, could he play a role like what like Kyle Kuzma did for the Lakers this year? Sure. Is he going to you know establish himself as like a superstar? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so like that's that's like really the only one. Like everyone else, um, I, I don't know. That, like, do you really like Marquise Chris, Jordan Poole? Like, I I don't see a scenario where the Warriors counting on them to play like big minutes in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, instills any sort of confidence. Like they just kind of shuffled through guys. Uh, maybe one of them pops this year. You never know. Maybe, maybe Jordan Poole off of a bad rookie year turns out to be a nice second year player. I wouldn't count on it, but you know, it's at this point, I'm looking at their roster as like five players who we know will be in the rotation next year and like five players they have to find somewhere in free agency or trade. I mean, or Wiggins draft. is old. Wiggins, assuming that he's not packaged with a number two pick or something like that, he's ultimately I it's a cliche, but he's ultimately that X factor in right. terms of like, okay, what what's the upside of this team? Like, you know, whatever concerns you have about health with uh, the the core three guys, you know, they, Steph is thirty two, like right. he's you know Clay is I think thirty one. Like the 30. these guys are all getting thirty. These, these guys yeah. are all getting older. Then I think, if nothing else, I realized, sure. and the the team is not 
deep in terms of proven guys. So well, that's sort of we, what I was asking about the 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 Marquise Chris's in the right. Past. But the, like, I mean, if we're if we're honest, their roster currently looks like the Portland Trailblazers. It's like, well, you like that backcourt. You're not yeah. really sure about anything else on it. The only difference is we haven't gone through the draft and the free agency period. And, you know, so this is where, like, I get, at least locally, there's a lot of faith that they will swing some sort of trade and make some sort of moves. And a lot of that's giving benefit of the doubt to what they've done for the last decade. And that's kind of that's kind of how it goes, right? Like when you, you know, when you uh, build a roster that goes to five straight finals, uh, fans and you know the local media is going to give you the benefit of the doubt until you prove you don't deserve it, right? So that's kind of where that's at least the attitude I'm seeing up here, and that's kind of the attitude I have at this point. Or Joe or Joe Lacob gets impatient, right? You I mean, know, I, I, you guys, you guys complained this year, and I kind of I, I understood where you were coming from with Kerr's coaching, Steve Kerr's coaching. Um, to where I don't think he probably maximized the actual players on the roster. They were playing a style that was more conducive to the team that was making those title runs. But because of that, do you think that there's a better chance that some of those guys can contribute this upcoming year, even though it probably hurt you in the wins and losses last year? To be to be clear, those complaints were in the early part of the season before Steph broke his hand and Draymond decided yeah. he was – he was going to take an injury or two. So I, at that point, at that point, like, I mean, it's not, you know, cause it feels like, I mean, it feels like a long time ago. They had D'Angelo Russell on the roster. Yeah, like, I, open, I, I won't look it up. Cause I forgot whether or not they still did. Like, I, I was so confused by everything. Like, when we were doing the re like, you know, doing a little research or getting right. up a little talk about tonight's show. We, I think we'll, we'll probably do a lot more NBA, but like, I was like, you know, I, a little NFC West. Rams were in San Francisco this weekend. I had to double check. It was last year that the 49ers were in the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yes. It's crazy. And, they've, and they've decided, they've decided, like your Rams, to follow the post-Super Bowl, everything falls apart season. Because that's what's, that's what's going on with them this year. Right <laughs> down to the offensive the worst line quarterback. being terrible. With the worst quarterback, though. Yeah, pretty comparable. How dare you? <laughs> I mean, Jimmy G's handsome. I mean, he is, he's, he got, is. he's got that going for him. Like, Brian and I actually have a theory that you can't succeed at the NFL level as a quarterback without being handsome. Because, like, it just you're not going to be responded to people as a leader. Ugly people. They don't. They don't, especially at that level. Because all these football players are former BMOCs. You know, I mean, they, right. they're all used to being the biggest hey. deal and the biggest jock and the most popular guys. So in order to grab their attention, it's going to take more than talent. Like you need to be physically appealing in, in your efforts to get people to rally around you. Because I, like, I challenge you to come up with a really good, like successful, ugly quarterback. <laughs> now we're going to get deep into it. Yeah, no, no, no. I got to take the challenge. Or yeah, or even just like you know, slightly like slightly below replacement level in right. terms I, of handsomeness. I, I average, they're average, like, but I mean like genuinely. God, mm-hmm. I, 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 <laughs> are, are you saying Andy Dalton would be a pro bowler if he just you know he he had better uh, like a better jawline? You know, see, you know, you're 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 anti ginger bias. <laughs> <laughs> All redheads are awkward looking. 
Andy Dalton's facial structure, there's nothing wrong with what Andy Dalton looks like. He's a perfectly handsome man. Yeah, you know what, Andy, you might be onto something actually. I don't yes. think I trust I don't trust ugly people either. <laughs> Is this why right. Derek Carr has had issues with the Raiders locker room? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We could be onto a theory here. Again, last thing is a supermodel. I'm really working on my share, my share screen stuff, <laughs> part of what we're doing here. So I'm just a lot of this is practice. But like this is Andy Dalton. Let me find Andy Dalton here. Where'd he go? Like that's he's fine. Perfectly reasonably handsome man. There's nothing, you know. So the, the haircut's a little I don't I mean, know. Again, you're 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 getting lost in the weeds here. <laughs> uh, I, I am 100% convinced that Tom Brady had Garoppolo traded because he couldn't handle a better-looking quarterback on the roster. <laughs> like, that is absolutely the reason that Jimmy G got moved. The the O-linemen weren't responding to Tom the way they were to the second-string snaps. He's like, he's exactly. got to go. Bring he in Brian so Hoyer. Look, looking at the sidelines, be like, oh, Tom, I know you called that play, but does Jimmy agree with it? You know, let's take a look. <laughs> It's just you know, but like you know, you look at that. Like Jared Stidham is is a perfectly reasonable looking person, but he's not Tom Brady. And now you know Brady. I I, I you know who's the backup in Tampa? Jameis, right? No, yeah. no, no. It's no, not. He's, he's in, uh, Jameis he's is in New Orleans. Jameis in New Orleans. I'm sorry. I'm Who sorry. is the backup quarterback? To I think it's the Elephant Man. <laughs> I I don't know. I have no idea. But I mean, it's oh, true though. Like ever. Is that who is it, it is? Blaine Gabbert? Oh yeah, it's, it's Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, I don't remember Blaine what he looks Gabbert like. Gabbert is still a backup quarterback in the NFL. I, you know, so this is this may just speak very poorly on me, but I, that's like my ideal ideal situation that I would want to be in is like a backup quarterback on a team with like a Hall of Fame quarterback, where I know I don't really have to play, but I'm getting paid a lot of money. I'm on the sidelines. And I can tell anybody that I'm a professional quarterback. Like, that's my right. ideal job. No, you've got this close to right. You've got this close to right. Okay. You want to be third string. No, because even backup, better. Backup, there's a chance you might get in. That's true. Third, third string, all you ever are, unless you're just some you know veteran who's been in the league for 15 years and everyone knows you're hanging on. If you're young and you're the third string guy, everyone wants to see you. Andy, we're on the same page, man. Give me like 800K. Yes. I'll I'll look prepared. I'll have like I'll have the play sheet ready, like just memorized. But I don't want to do anything else. Like exactly. I'll just I'll get on a Peloton during practice, just show people I'm getting my cardio in, and that's it. I'm out. Exactly. Just give me Jay, my money. Jay, go ahead, Brian. I was just saying it's the backup quarterback, long-term backup quarterback for like I mean, what was it? It was it was uh who is those Jim Sorgi, who was the backup to yeah. right. for like yes, yes. years in in Indianapolis, like yeah, is the best job. And the guy played two preseason games a year. Yeah, held a clipboard and probably you guys keep talking. I'm gonna look to see how much Jim. Yeah, I mean, you just you just have to stay in shape. Like at that point, stay That's in it. shape, stay ready. But you also know the guy that you're playing behind, you're never going to be as good at. And also, Peyton never gets hurt. Exactly. So like, you and if stay. he does, and you screw up, nobody's expecting anything from you. Exactly. Like you have to hey, stay. I'm the backup. You have to stay ready, but you don't really have to stay ready. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I guarantee, Jim, like, I remember one time Jim Sorge got into a game because, I don't know, something briefly happened to Peyton. And I swear to God, like, you could see that he was like, I have never read this playbook. 
in my life. Like I have. <laughs> Can I just keep no handing idea. it off? Can I just keep handing it off like three plays in a row? <laughs> He's like, what? I have no idea what the hell I'm supposed to be doing out here. I don't even know who half these guys are. I haven't met most of my linemen. Like that. that's a great, great job. But, you know, Jim, uh, we were talking about Jimmy G. Like I remember that Super Bowl. My wife, I had to leave the room because she was just going on and on about like, he, he is so good looking. I'm like, yeah, he's a good looking dude. And she's like, no, but look at him. Like the camera loves him. Like it just zooms. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. And I, I left the room. <laughs> and, and I had no argument. She was right. She was totally right. Yeah, I can't find him. He made, I think, like, it looked, I'm seeing enough stuff put together. He made, like, he was his backup quarterback. He was Manning's backup quarterback for, like, six years. He made something like five and a half million bucks. That's the dream. That is the dream. That is a really. I mean, you have a successful podcast. How long does it take you to make five and a half million dollars? Like, is that, like, six months? A <laughs> <laughs> <Two>. year? <laughs> Silicon no. Valley money just hits different. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, mean, I, 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 I hear the look up and Jimmy is even playing this weekend. That was gonna be my next question here. You guys got me thinking here because it's unclear if he's playing. From from what I saw, they're hopeful because oh, it's a big game. It's against the Rams right. this weekend. Like this is a really big game. They're also so, two and three. Like they've thrown a couple games away. The season's gonna get away from them very quickly, very quick if they don't, you know, win. You are at that, you're at that sort of um that borderline where like two and you know two and three you're still I mean, you win a game and you're you're 500 you're right there yeah particularly since there's 16 teams in the playoffs this year right. so. it, it, everybody gets a car you know everybody gets a participation ribbon this year and the nfc east is a dumpster fire so like you're only getting one team out of there so there's there is space like right. I, I don't know Four teams from the NFC West make the playoffs. I haven't done the math, but it might be possible. Yeah. Um, You you know, it's interesting. Has there been like a proper exploration of why the Super Bowl hangover hits so consistently to the team that loses? Like the Chiefs are looking fine. They're, 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 they'll, I'm confident they'll be right there. They'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Where, where, but it feels like the Super Bowl hangover for the losing team is basically happens every single time. Well, I mean, you know, the Rams. I mean, I, I was, I've been critical of the Rams, and I was more, I was sort of a little, I was definitely suspicious of how good they'd be this year. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they didn't, they didn't suck last year. Yeah, they yeah, that's true. They didn't, but they didn't, you know, they didn't go four and twelve. No, that's, but they that's, did that's miss the, the playoffs, so they did it, kind of. It took, took them a few months to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean they. they they missed the playoffs, but they missed the playoffs with a nine and seven record. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, but they they didn't look right. Like they won games. They won a lot of games. That I mean, I I I love like Aaron Donald, and I I've loved having a coach like Sean McVay because it's it's you you feel so much confidence when you have a coach like that. You're like, all right, well, he'll maximize what we have, whatever we have. <laughs> well, he's right? hot. I mean, you know, and, he's, and, he's a hottie. And I mean, he's a hottie. You know what? Yeah. We gotta, we, there's there's something here, man. I now now, now it's on. Now it's clicking. Now it's clicking. Well, yeah. And then you know you, you want to back up even further. Meanwhile, meanwhile, best coach, best coach in the league, Andy Reid, who is <laughs> the most attractive man in the NFL. So 
you know, well, there's a word for it. Theory it. holds true, my, my friend. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, look, it's it's the executive thing. I mean, you know, you got Sean McVay combined with Les Snead, who's also a very handsome man. That's John true. Lynch in San Francisco, handsome man. Like Cliff I'm, Kingsbury. I mean, it's part of the reason, by the way, that's part of the reason why the NFC West is so damn hard. It's the like, best. everybody's really good best looking. Best like, look- I mean, you've got the best of the best. He can be outside and exercise. <laughs> he wants to be shut indoors all the time. Um, where, you know, so, okay, that, that was, that really, wow, that, that was like nine minutes of hot NFL <laughs> and quarterback talk. Um, this is also what Sam and I text about. So this is working out perfectly. <laughs> Absolutely. We're just, just running Cats down. out of the bag. Where do, so who are the, like, who do you guys, uh oh, did I freeze or did everybody else? I hate when this happens. No. Yeah. Oh, we hear you. We see you. We hear you. You're here. Oh, no. Maybe he can't hear us. I, I think Brian can't hear us because we can hear him. I'm going oh, right, to right, right. text him and let him know we can hear him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's right. fine on my end. Everything's fine now. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, we, we, who do you, I, I, th- I like to live in a world where the Warriors are good. I think the Warriors are sure. fun. I love Steph. I love Clay. I love Draymond um, even more now that he's been doing the, the commentary. I, I think most Lakers fans are kind of more like they don't think of the Warriors as the Clippers. But when you start like power ranking the teams that can make a run at them next year, because there is a, there was a gap. We talked about this earlier in the show. There was a real gap between the Lakers and everyone else. Who is it? Is it the Clippers, like, do we expect more from them or are we still not know? I mean, who gets the benefit of the doubt next year that Lakers fans are convinced the Lakers didn't get this year? I mean, I guess I would say the Clippers in theory, but just given the way, like, it's so, uh, full discretion. I, I had my money was on the Clippers winning the title this year. I thought they were better than the Lakers. And then, you know, all year the Lakers played better than them, and I kind of gave the Clippers a benefit of the doubt, mostly because of Kawhi Leonard. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you do this funny thing where it's like because Kawhi is no nonsense and just kind of a stoic guy that goes about his business, you attribute that quality to the whole team. When in reality, you know, probably should have taken red flags with half their roster deciding to leave the bubble for no reason and go get wings and like just all these things that kind of point to, let's just say, you know, the the not, not being as locked in as the Lakers were. Right. (laughs) So seriousness. Yeah. There there was a fundamental lack of seriousness with them. So like part of me thinks, okay, they, not only did they not win, but they kind of lost in very embarrassing fashion. Like they didn't even lose to the Lakers. They lost to the Denver nuggets in the second round potentially that should be the kick they need to actually live up to their talent potential. Cause at least on paper, them and Brooklyn are the two teams who have the best rosters to compete with the Lakers as of today. You know, it, I guess that's the other one, uh, depending what you think of Kevin Durant's return from his Achilles injury. That's another team that, you know, they have it, it's not just, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like they have a handful of pretty good players there that if it gels correctly, that team could be very dangerous. So those would be the ones that I would potentially look at as, you know, 
assuming there's no wild roster moves in the offseason. Yeah, that KD, that KD Kyrie, you know, because you still got Karis Levert. You've got, you know, Spencer. There, there are some players on that team. Right. But, man, that that KD Kyrie vibe that's yeah. already coming out, that is a that – that's going to be a weird <laughs> locker room. I mean, I guess we, a lot of it – We don't need a coach. <laughs> well, I was going to say, a lot of it comes down to like how many coaches they like, how many head coaches they have, and I think in some ways, like, is their best head coach? Does it does the schedule break down to where, you know, their best head coach happens to be play, coaching against the best opponents? Because you know, if if their weakest of their seven head coaches happens to be going up against the Lakers one night, that's a loss. You know, against the Bucks, that's a loss. I mean, like if. If they don't schedule this out correctly, you know, they, they could become problematic. Like it's really going to it's going to be a lot to juggle that most teams don't have to deal with. <laughs> Mo, most loser teams only have one head coach. You know, the, the the Nets have 7, which on one hand could be an advantage, but it just it takes more scheduling. Like you strengthen numbers a to like the next level. You know, <laughs> so many You coaches. need a date book. Speaking of coaching, I actually I saw a crazy stat yesterday that really puts in perspective what both Frank Vogel just accomplished and what Steve Kerr has done in his career. It was from uh, Steve Ashburner, the longtime NBA writer. There have been 332 head coaches in, in the history of the NBA. Only 34 of them have won at least one championship. Oh, damn. And six of them. Phil Jackson with 11, Red Auerbach with nine, John Kundla with five, Pat Riley with five, Pop with five, Steve Kerr with three, account for 38 of those championships, just like a little bit over half of all time. That's crazy. That's nuts. Like, and then when you it, think about it, like they they all come from like two coaching trees, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they're all like they're they're all disciples of like two to three coaches. So it's yeah. I mean, but now you got the now you got the Nets with with fourteen coaches. So <laughs> <laughs> they're their own just things up. Like that yeah. is the that that vibe is the the exact opposite of the AD LeBron right. thing. <laughs> I just I can't imagine going to work every day, and that's in the line. I'm, I'm not saying they're bad people. I don't know these people, um, but they are weird you know you know there's a comment there's a common thing so you know uh, setting aside the snark uh, and by the way i it, watching the clippers lose was one of the most enjoyable fan experiences i've ever had so you know setting aside the snark of that i think one of the key things that revealed itself that playoff round was a lack of a locker room structure where if you look at Kawhi, i also give Kawhi the benefit of the doubt right i can admit as a laker fan coming into that season i also predicted the clippers were going to win because i i thought Kawhi and paul george are exactly the kind of modern duo that you need to succeed and i didn't expect also anthony davis to turn into Kawhi from mid-range in the playoffs like that's a separate you know that's a separate yeah. thing but Kawhi, everywhere he succeeded, he succeeded in a locker room and an organization that already had an existing power structure in place, an existing sort of culture in place, and he fit in. No, not no nonsense team. Right, he fit in. Yeah. He was sort of neutral from a kind of raw raw perspective, but he fit in, and he went out and executed like a stone cold killer. Right, just like automatic when the team needed him. It was apple time. Clippers, though, <laughs> when he comes to the Clippers, now he's the leader. 
and there's a vacuum in this team. There's 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 a leadership vacuum, and who's filling it? Nobody. And so what we saw in the playoffs is when they got punched in the face, there was nobody to answer. There was nobody to rally the team together. And while Doc being fired makes sense, there were some decisions that you know that that he could have made better. I also think at some point uh, you have to look at is this locker room, does it have like a strong structure where if LeBron and Anthony Davis don't buy into Frank Vogel and his vision from day one and buy in on defense on day one, set the example for every single player on that roster from the first person to the 12th person um, without that, well, the Lakers might have gone through a similar thing by the end of the season where they're not ready for that kind of a situation. And we look at Denver. Denver's had a team that understands that Jokic is the number one. Murray is the number two. There actually was some tension with, um, uh, shoot, the rookies escaping my head right now. Who Michael wanted Porter, Michael, Michael, Michael Porter. Porter Jr., right? And and that was like the first sort of sign of schism, but they kind of handled it in-house. They had a structure, a coach they trusted. Like they had a very established locker room. They squashed it. They persevered over the Clippers. Um, and I look at Brooklyn and, you know, I trust KD and Kyrie as basketball players, but they also have benefited in their careers where they've succeeded with titles coming into a situation or having such a strong leadership where that was LeBron's team in Cleveland, right? He didn't like it, but everybody in that locker room knew exactly what that kind of hierarchy of that team was. And with Kevin Durant, he was coming into already a title team, a title coach and a very clear establishment of okay Draymond is sort of the emotional leader Steph is the emotional the the offensive engine and everything goes around it and so I look at Brooklyn with skepticism because of that I'm curious what the Clippers are going to do beyond okay you're getting getting a new coach I think Ty Lue should be the one to fit there because maybe he he could establish sort of more of a locker room presence in that way but it's gonna somebody in the locker room to uh right to, Somebody and, in that locker room. They might room. need that. Yeah. But Sam, but Somebody Sam, in the locker room going to step up. I didn't mean to cut you off, Daniel, but yeah. Sam, that's a reason to boost the Warriors in the next year. Right. Because I, 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 I'm very bullish on the Warriors. Years. Yeah, I'm very bullish on the Warriors for that reason. So the, the only thing I'll say with, with those teams is um, – well, I guess we don't know. I If I was running the Clippers, I would probably be looking to trade a little bit around the margins with some of the players who may have caused more issues than they're worth. Um, Role players like Paul George? Yeah, something like that. Or maybe Lou Williams or something like that. You know. So when I look at someone like the Clippers or the Nets, I try not to make the same mistake I made with the Lakers last year. Like part of my part of my reason for thinking the Clippers would be better than the Lakers last year was, you know, it's not that I thought Kawhi and Paul George were better than LeBron and AD. I thought it was close enough. I just thought like from man three through 10, the Clippers were significantly better. Turned out not to be the case um, for a variety of reasons. All I'm getting at here is all, all it takes is tweaking around the margins and, that can go such a long way in cleaning up the chemistry of a team because the the biggest the, the biggest thing that stood out with the Lakers this year was, I mean, they their chemistry was somewhat reminiscent of like the first year, first couple of years, and the Warriors were good. Where it's like these guys seem like they really like playing with each other and hanging out with each other yep. and that sort of thing. And um, those things are rare. Those things turn overnight. But you, you know what? It, you know it's even rare having someone having the talent of Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant. So all I'm getting at is, 
if I have a player like that on my roster, like maybe I might not like the way the construct of the team works, but you can always fix around that. You can't just right. find another guy who's seven feet tall who shoots like that, for example. I mean, look, to some degree, the Clippers issues, you know, I mean, assuming let's just say they end up keeping Montrez Harrell, they bring back Jamichael Green, like they they bring it back largely intact with the players sure. that matter. Some of their issues could actually get solved by them really taking a look at what happened and right. just saying, we need to get our shit together. Yeah. Like the, we, we wasted a real opportunity Absolutely. And, and all of us, if assuming all of us care and all of us really want to win a championship, a lot of this can actually get fixed if they all just decided we're going to fix it. And all, you know, guys like, you know, depending on, you know, we've talked with guys like Jovan Buha and other people who cover the team, right. you know, guys like Montrez and Lou and Pat Beverly who were there when the Clippers were building that foundation. And, you know, they, they gave the Warriors a good series in, in 2019. Right. Like they, you know, they played them hard and, you know, they built an identity from that. Those guys need to accept the fact that we've got now two legitimate, you know, if you want to call Kawhi Leonard a superstar and Paul George a perennial all-star, we've got those guys and they're better than us. So right. we need to we need to accept that things have changed. And then guys like Kawhi and Paul George need to accept that we need to find a way to lead this team better because we didn't yeah. do a good enough job with it. But if they're all serious about that, some of these issues can work themselves out because the pieces are there. There's a reason that all of us thought they could win a championship. Yep. And that's kind of where I'm at with them. Like the way they went out this year, they're either going to be, they're going to go one of two directions next year. It's they're either going to look at, look at themselves in the mirror and kind of live up to the paper expectations we all had. Or Kawhi Leonard is walking in free agency and it's going to be a complete joke in the following summer and whatever. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's going one of two directions. They're either going to, you know, they're either going to, you know, whether they beat the Lakers or not is to be seen, but they'll either be like a serious version of what they were or just completely implode. So uh, so one, one more thing before we, we let you guys go. This is a great question um, from Ahmed Yusuf, 18. The West is stacked next year. 12 teams expect to make the playoff. We're already putting the Warriors in, which means somebody's got to go. Yep. And... Um, you know, you know, New Orleans theoretically is getting better. Like there's some, you know, Phoenix went eight zero in the bubble for whatever that means or whatever it could be. Who doesn't make the playoffs next year? Uh, I'll start with I think, who I think, who, I'll start with who I think is going to be the worst in the West, and then we can maybe work our work our way up. Um, I'm so down on whatever Minnesota is doing. Um, I just I think that the version of Cat and D'Lo together are is not going to work out and. It upsets me that the Warriors have their pick. I don't know what they're going to do with that one, but I, I really think that they're going to be like the worst team in, in the West. Only also because the West is so good. Like in relatively speaking, uh, they'll probably be at the bottom. Worst in the West would make the eighth seed in the East. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think. I mean, there's there. not a single team. I'm looking at the standings right now just to make sure I don't forget anyone. There's not a single team in the West who's tanking next year. Like Maybe Minnesota. Thunder, yeah, yeah, maybe thunder, yeah, but not until they trade Chris Paul. Yeah. Until right. then, 
I guess they would be. I guess they would be my pick for the team who falls out of the playoffs because if they do trade Chris Paul, they're at least making a tactical decision, like we're right. taking a step back. But they'll still they'll still be too. They'll still play too hard, you know. So yeah, they'll be plucky. They're, they're they're. I can't see a world in which a Thunder team is. I don't know, like you know, twenty and sixty-two. They they're just not. No, I mean, that way. I mean. Shea Gilgis Alexander is a great player. I really like Darius right. Baisley. I, I thought no. he had some really good moments in the playoffs. Like uh, Dor- Dork. Dork could be like Lou Dork. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be, be like a nasty a, team. They're going to be a nasty. Oh yeah, team I mean, he, he could be like a like a sort of a poor man's our test. You know, I mean, they, or maybe even like a you know middle class our test. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, San Antonio, the third worst team in the conference next year. Maybe. That, feel, Man, that yeah, feels maybe. blasphemous. It doesn't like I don't right. even. It doesn't matter who's on their roster. They're going to be annoyingly efficient in some capacity. Our, um, what about our old friend uh, Luke Walton and the Kings? <laughs> they just think, never seem like a team that's going to get their shit together, dude. Right. They just I, it don't. seems like they now have a real front office for the first time in a while, uh, right. Post body, but it's it's gonna be a while it feels like the locker room was not together at all last year so i i don't know what's gonna i mean buddy healed is publicly trashing luke right. that, that, that doesn't help yeah it doesn't yeah, help. i don't wonder, I wonder if he's gonna be a warrior sam <laughs> there are luke, we're bringing luke back too <laughs> <laughs> luke and buddy they were pretty bad this year and everybody got hurt so i mean if they get through they have enough talent right. around they just stay healthy they could threaten to be a 500 team, which isn't great, but that's not trash. I still think they would be a playoff team in the East, which kind of speaks to the disparity. That's yeah. the that's the funny thing. I'm looking at him, right? Like I, De'Aaron Fox is really good. Like he he is really the, good. The fact that the the West has like 10 All Star caliber guards just means he gets lost in the shuffle. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess who's the worst in the West? I mean, you might be right. It might be Minnesota, but they're not tanking. I expect them to do something. You don't trade it. You don't trade your pick pretty much unprotected and then do nothing in the offseason. You know, they've right. they've better or worse committed to whatever the hell they're doing. All right, we're all still avoiding the question here, which is who drops out. I mean, the obvious candidate is the Thunder. Okay, I'll if- I'll give one that I think drops out. Houston. Houston. Ooh. I think Houston drops out. I, I think they are so pot committed in a bad direction. And the, the reason I, I did not believe in them at all heading into the bubble, like I, I just didn't buy into them, is they're incapable of making adjustments. Like the, their team is built in such a specific way that you can't fundamentally change anything. Like their only real adjustment they can do, I mean, you know, you can scheme things a little bit differently, whatever, but they can't fundamentally change anything. Like, you know, we saw the Lakers, you know, they they would vary what they would do in terms of size or, you know, they would they yeah. would tinker with the lineup, stuff like that. Houston can do a little bit schematically, but ultimately they're the same team on the floor at all times. They just have to execute at their highest level every single minute they're on the floor and that leaves you too little margin for error you know Westbrook could end up with what seems unfortunately because I love Russ with inevitable injuries you know they're they're a very thin roster beyond their redundancies I could see them falling out yeah yeah I I, I listen you're speaking seven eyes language right now uh so yeah trash, we heard trash, about trash, that trash the rockets yeah trashing the rockets no problem here but still, like, yeah, even even looking at that, I mean, so my my counter is is that that 
what you're talking about is conducive to still having regular season success because as much as, you know, I, James Harden can be frustrating, he's still a top, you know, in terms yeah. of just an offensive player, top yeah. five offensive player. I would argue player. he's more frustrating because of how talented he is. Like, yes. it's like he, he repeats the same type of playoff failure every year, which is just far more egregious given what he's capable of. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I, players that frustrate me the most, and, and I, I know – Sam and I talk about these same players all the time are the players that we know can be really, really, really good. Like if James Harden implemented some of what Steph Curry does off ball, that Houston Rockets team becomes like 50% harder to guard in the playoffs. That's just it. like not being out of shape in the playoffs would be a, right. a yeah, great well, start that's for him. Like I, I don't know how he gained 10 pounds or 20 pounds in a bubble. What was that? You sound like every teacher would ever give Andy a report card. You know, you could be so much better than what you're doing. Well, my my response was always, look, I agree. So if you agree and I'd agree, I don't see any reason for me to bust my ass doing this work. Like if you like all my teachers never realized the way to motivate me was just, dude, you're an idiot. Like you're lucky to be getting grades this good. Like you're an absolute moron. Like that would have motivated me. But telling me, I know you're really smart. If you applied yourself, you could get the grades. I'm like, shit, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I, don't need to, I don't need to actually do it. I'm, I'm, I'm totally happy with your diagnosis. Shaq, Shaq and Andy both only work on company time. Exactly. No, no, exactly. no, no, no off work. No, no off exactly. work. Exactly. I, I, I make A's when they matter. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like Shaq with free throws. That's the way I, I, I thought about it. I saw somebody on the chat point out, like, you know, Porzingis is still banged up. You know, obviously that hurts. Dallas's chances to really rise up in the conference. But, like, I'm just – this is incredible. Like, you know, Memphis should be a little bit better with another year of jaw and, and Jackson. Like, that, just, just given how tough the West is, I could see Memphis still kind of being where they landed this year. Absolutely. Close to the playoffs, but not – but yeah, they're gonna be good, and they be they're gonna rack up wins. I'm I'm looking at where these losses are gonna pile up. I don't know who's gonna. Yeah, this oh, is... and did you guys see that there? There's real talk of a kind of a, a division heavy schedule, so basically to limit travel because. Ooh, sure. um, so in other words, we're, we're talking about like ten Laker Warrior games, ten Warrior Clipper games, Laker Clippers. So it's like it's even worse because. I mean, I guess Sacramento is an easy game, but uh, I mean, even Phoenix Not is really? kind of plucky and tough. I mean, easier, sure. It, it all of that plays to like you know, ESPN's gonna let us see the Knicks versus the Wizards a hundred times next year, which no <laughs> one wants because because it's at four in the afternoon. But like you know, it's I don't know if they yeah, go with that kind of schedule, that really hurts. The Celtics and the Nets next year with that kind of schedule are gonna win what? 70 games each <laughs> they'll yeah, right? split the games to play with each other and win every other game yeah i mean it's kind of a joke honestly like the disparity just it, every year someone tells me oh the east is on the rise and then i look at it it's like no there's one team on the rise that's, that's <laughs> all you're talking about guys well if they do it that way like if they if they do it like that, trying to consolidate travel, which I totally understand. Like right. I mean, we're looking at the realities of a pandemic that is not likely going to be solved by then. Sure. If you do something like that, then they really ought to consider just straight seating, like by record, whatever. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, if, if you're really making the West play against itself that much, and the East play against itself that much, then you really there there has to be some 
Somehow, type somehow of I'm, I'm, in, I'm in, still not going to win more than 20 games in that type of schedule. I, I'm, I'm a really, that. I'm a really old man with that seating idea, though. The last thing, like it just offends me so much to imagine a Celtics Lakers series that occurs before the finals, and that's the single reason why I still fight against that. But logically speaking, yeah, something like that would make sense. But just, yeah. I, I just, I can't, I, I can't. Stomach I, that kind of a series. I just have to say, Andy, I don't accept the premise of what you're saying because, as we all know, the virus is going to disappear. That's yes. true. <laughs> hey, we got to trust our leaders, right? They they, they want what's best for us, so disappear. it's gone. Well, it's my understanding by then we'll all be immune to it after we've all caught it. So, hey, many people are saying, many people are saying, <laughs> many great people are saying, the best people are saying that it will not yes. disappear. Yes. Uh, all right, this was fun. Um, I, I Sam, I hope you don't mind. We we had people crash your party. It was just too easy. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Sam. Well, only only because it's Dom, and I'll accept it. We love to have you guys back another time. We, this was a, a really fun. We, you know, we went quad box, which is something that Andy and I have been meaning to experiment with. There we go. Um, everybody loves a good quad box. And um, let's see. We should promote what else is coming. Sam, you've got the uh, the Light Years podcast on the Dom? Blue Wire Network. On the Blue Wire Network, would you like Thank to promote? You, would I like to promote something there? No, no, you guys just did it for me. Yeah, I mean, no, I was talking to them. Oh, oh, follow me on Twitter. That's it. All right. Tell That's them. It. Tell them how. Wait, tell them at Dominar D A M A N R. Thank you, everybody. Thank cool. you for thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate. Oh, no, it. absolutely, man. This was fun. Tomorrow night will be fun. either a really fun show for people or a really sad show. Uh, either way, we'll be looking a little bit of Dodger stuff with John Weissman, who does just a fantastic job covering the Dodgers for years, knows more about that team uh, than just about anybody. I know Lindsay Theory on Thursday will get back to the NFL and the NFC West and all the Rams stuff. Uh, and Friday, Gustavo Ariano, uh, that'll be a really great show. Andy tweeted out a, a story he wrote today about voting in Orange County and, and the political dynamics down there that is just fascinating. So we'll get into all that stuff uh, for the rest of the week. Thanks again to Sam Svendiari. And to Don Angula, this was tons of fun. We'll see everybody tomorrow night. Don't you need a lot, guys.